welcome to the Good Hard Story Podcast, where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the exact same story. I'm Katherine Wolf, and I'm a stroke survivor, a speaker, an author, and co-founder of Hope Heals. Tune in here every week for conversations about wholeheartedly living in a good hard story. Join me in this joyful rebellion to the darkness where we discover the treasures hidden in our hurting. I will be sharing today from entry 39 entitled Lessons in Improv. Okay, so in 1999, I was in the state one-act play competition as Martine in A Doctor in Spite of Himself. And it was so fun. I loved acting. And um, we made it to the state finals for competition. So it was, it was a big deal. And I was excited. And in the final scene of the play... I felt a weird little tug and suddenly my skirt fell down. And thankfully I had a petticoat on, so it didn't totally matter. But I had a split second decision to make of what I would do. Would I burst into sobs and run off stage with the skirt because I'd ruined the scene? Or would I awkwardly stop the scene and pick it up and put it back on? And or would I do um, number three, which is what I did, which is in the moment, make it look like I meant to do that. I meant for my skirt to fall off and I meant to kick it up to my hand, grab it, throw it over my shoulder and slowly with sass walk off stage like I meant to do the whole thing. And then, of course, after that moment, I crumbled backstage thinking, well, I've blown it. I've ruined the play. I've ruined, yeah, all my castmates, all the stars for nothing. How horrible was that? How embarrassing that my shirt fell off. So throughout the day, we were waiting on the results of the competition. And I'm hardly even listening when Best Actress in the State of Georgia, Catherine Arnold, is called to the stage. And as I'm wandering up there a little bewildered that they've chosen me, um, I received the award, promptly sit down and am reading the judge's notes. And every one of the judges identifies that my creativity in my comedic choices are what stood out to them. So really, really powerful thought that the creativity being shown through the creative quote-unquote choices that I made um, made me a strong choice for best actress in the state of Georgia because of my ability to improv, to utilize improvisation. And years later, I would have a dear, sweet friend, Brooke, tell me, and this is after my stroke years and years later, that what she loved so much about my personality was that I was the oh well girl. I was the girl that was able to really go with it and just put my hands in the air and say, oh well, and move on. 
And that, that I now have language for to be emotional agility, has become the superpower that 15 years of living this life, I've learned to really adapt, to pivot, to become very emotionally agile, emotionally flexible, you might say. I'm going to read a moment from this entry. As evidenced by my post-performance breakdown, which I think I referenced to you guys, I lost the backstage that I blown it. I haven't always been able to roll with the punches. As silly as it sounds, winning that acting award when I was 17 years old introduced me to a huge lesson in life. Developing emotional agility changed how I handle hardship. I'd always been great at improving on stage, but I would need to learn to improvise in life. Once I realized I wasn't returning to the original script anytime soon, I threw myself into the new one with as much enthusiasm and creativity as I could manage. And that's the key, isn't it? That's what we all have to do. We all have to make the decision to improvise in our lives, to be um, emotionally agile. And for me, I was thinking we must cultivate tremendous emotional agility, implore deep creativity in our story, and ultimately take responsibility, which that's kind of catchy, I must say. And I don't have that written anywhere. I'm just saying that to y'all. I'm not, I don't have notes on this. I just read that thing, but that's off the top of my head. But I think I'm on to something that we need to create tremendous emotional agility, take deep responsibility, and ultimately live with extraordinary levels of creativity And what I mean by that, that sounds like, okay, cute, but like what on earth does it have to do with my life? I think God is calling us to live lives of deep creativity within the story that he's writing. And that means not just being like responsive, like, oh gosh, this horrible thing happened. I got to get back to the other way I was going. No, no, no. I think it has everything to do with the ability to dream new dreams that I know I've talked on here before that we have the ability to pivot constantly into the story that God is writing and to live it with such deep creativity. I love that beautiful passage in Galatians 6, that Galatians 6, 5 in the message says that we are called to take responsibility and get creative. I actually love verse 6, 4 as well that says, make a careful exploration of who you are. And the work that you've been given and sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So I love, love, love this thought that our lives are assigned to us, that God has chosen us for our stories. And that's... um. That just changes how we live them. When we've been assigned a story that we believe God is writing, we're willing to get creative and figure it out how to live it out. You know, I could see my wheelchair as purely like a constraint of my story, just a limitation of my life. 
But instead, I view my wheelchair as a means to go where I want to go and do what I want to do. I'm getting creative with how I think about my wheelchair. And I think it changes how we feel about every element of our lives. And we can very much more easily pivot into the story God is writing when we're doing that. We're trusting him to show up, to show off in our stories. And so we can live them really well, even if they look very different than we thought they were going to look, because the reality is they always do. Our stories never, ever look the way we thought they were going to when we were little. They always look different, but can they still be beautiful, glorious stories that we live out really, really well? I think like deep, true emotional agility, the ability to move and pivot and be flexible has meant for me a level of like bulletproofness from the world. And that is one of the coolest things about the last 15 years that have honestly been pretty hard in a lot of ways. Hard stuff has happened. I've told you guys before, I've been through the ringer. I've had multiple breaks of bones and surgeries and just a lot of deep suffering. And yet I have had an ability, thank you, Jesus, to like be a bit emotionally agile to not fall apart emotionally when every setback happens, to not suppress the emotion I'm feeling, but not elevate the emotion I'm feeling either, to live in that tension, in that place where you're supposed to hang out. You know, I heard recently that hope is not the opposite of hurt. You would think they're opposites, hope and hurt. No, no, no. The opposite of hurt is hype, H-Y-P-E, hype. That hype and hurt are actually opposites. Hope is that healthy place in the middle that we are called to hang out, where we are not just hurting and we are not just hyping, but we are living with true, real, lasting hope in our stories. You know, I think so many times as Christians, we really want to make it okay and put a bow on it and hype it up and probably live with an element of toxic positivity to some degree because we so long to not do the opposite, to not live a story that is so depressive and horrible and probably toxic negativity. But I think where we are supposed to hit is right in the middle of a real lasting hope that can sustain us and keep us that's neither. And the reality is there is um, lunar Christianity, not just solar Christianity. You can be living in hard, dark circumstances with tremendous hope in Jesus in your story. And I think that is what emotionally agile people do, is they cultivate. And I say cultivate very intentionally because you don't just wake up one morning and like, okay, I'm emotionally agile. Absolutely. It's something you work on. It's something I've worked towards very much. Definitely. Even in those early days, 17-year-old Catherine could do some improv. For sure. Yes, absolutely. But the reality is it would take a lot more than a little acting chop skill of improv to sustain, honestly, the somewhat nightmare story of the last 15 and a half years. So I've cultivated 
emotional agility the hard way, which is teach yourself to do it, practice it, hang out, as I've said before, in a deep headspace of gratitude for the story God is writing and feed that narrative. Trust the story God's writing is good, live into that story, and you will somehow find yourself becoming emotionally agile because you trust it so much. You're not fighting the story so hard. And I think that is actually what my sweet friend Brooke was getting at in calling me the oh well girl is I'm just not combative to my story, and that changes how you feel about your story. And that is true, real emotional agility. Stop fighting so hard. Trust somehow that God is good and only writes good stories. And you live it and you live it and you live it. And then sometimes you're just doing it and living it and keep living it. And um, yeah, I never imagined I would be starring in this role in my adult life of um the stroke survivor and all that that means. But I think I might end up loving the story. And as I've shared, no doubt, I used to really be embarrassed to say that. I used to be embarrassed to admit, like, I kind of like the story God's writing, even though it's dramatic, because you're supposed to hate your story and you're supposed to be angsty and that's really cool and I'm not cool. Um, But I don't care. I got old and I'm, like, cool with... I really love my story. And people who have what what could be considered by the world standards a better story or an easier story hate theirs. And I think that is such a sad way to live. If you know the hope of glory in your story, perhaps you should trust that God's writing a pretty good one and live that way. Um, I have to tell you that developing Emotional agility changes how you handle unscripted hardship in your life. Let me say that again. Developing emotional agility always changes how you can handle the unscripted hardship in your own life. I'm pairing what I've just talked about with Reflection number one in the book, because I think it is so important before you ever talk about things like emotional agility to recognize that if you do not let your own story break your heart, then you can't really ever get to other places. I'm going to share from the entry entitled Disbelief. In short, I had to have an aneurysm removed five years after the initial stroke. And I had to have months of gearing up for this surgery, unlike the first surgery that had just happened. This one was a big buildup, and it was pretty terrible. I largely just chose not to think about it, and it hit me hard the weekend before. And the morning before I was going to go into surgery on a Monday, that Sunday at our church, nearly a hundred sweet friends gathered in our fellowship hall and put Jay and James and I in the middle of the circle and prayed for us. And it was, I mean, it was glorious. It was beautiful. And 
one dear, sweet friend, Dawn, if you're listening, this forever impacted me. She looked at me through sobs and said, I cannot believe this is happening to you. And it was literally the greatest thing out of thousands of comments people have said to me post-stroke was, I can't believe this is happening to you. It was so deeply, truly healing to have someone put words around exactly what was in my head. So many well-meaning people had tried to make it okay and explain it away and add their, you know, weird, sweet, but awkward cliche or some sort of tacking Bible verse on it. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that, that we got a bullet wound over here and you want to put a Jesus Band-Aid on it and we're going to lead a lot more of Jesus than merely a Band-Aid. And something about, I can't believe this is happening to you. I just felt so seen and known in it. And it is something I now speak a lot to other really hurting hearts is, this is shocking. I can't believe you are walking through this. And instead of making people feel worse, I see the looks on their faces like, thank you for saying that because yeah, my life has totally blown up and everybody's acting like it's just not that different. It is that different. It is so hard and horrible. Thank you for acknowledging that my life has forever changed and that this is really, really difficult. I think so many times we think we've just got to do the next right thing and can't really process um, the deep shock of it all. Like, I don't think we can ever heal from what we're going through if we don't start with letting our own story break our heart and bewilder our mind. I'll say that again. We must start with letting our own story break our heart and bewilder our minds, honestly. We got to feel the shock of it all. And we can't stay there. And we won't stay there. But you've got to start there. You must start with identifying. This is so shocking. This is terrible. It is not supposed to be that way. Whoa, I cannot believe this has happened. And then from there, you can move through the other stages of deep, horrible grief. But if you choose to blow over the shock factor, it's very difficult to ever get to the other places of healing and hoping and hoping it forward, I like to say. I'm going to read this little ending of the entry. That awful, unexpected aneurysm taught me there is a time for learning lessons, but first, there is a time for complete disbelief. The first step in accepting my circumstances was to allow those circumstances to bewilder my mind and break my heart. And friend, the same grace is being extended to you. Allow yourself to feel the shock and the sickness and the hurt. I promise you will not stay there, but you must start there. Eventually, I was able to believe what was happening to me. 
I was even able to believe there might be deep purpose in all of this pain. But first, I needed permission to not believe it. Friends, the first step in healing is allowing your story to break your own heart. Thank you for joining us on the Good Heart Story Podcast. To learn more about what we are doing, follow us on Instagram at Hope Heals. Check out all things Hope Heals at HopeHeals.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this wherever you get podcasts. And please feel free to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Good Heart Story Podcast is a production of Good Heart Story, LLC. It is produced by Leah Case and Mary Austin Hall. And I am your fearless and fabulous host, Katherine Wolf. Come back and join us every week where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the very same story. We are with you and for you, friends.